love getting prices that are lower than low on food that's fresher than fresh? Then shop at Kroger. We give you more ways to save on the fresh you love with tools like the Kroger app, where you can find personalized coupons on top of weekly sales, giving you prices that are lower than the everyday low. Kroger, fresh for everyone. And now you'll find more ways to save on your favorites. When you download digital coupons, you can use up to five times in one transaction. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Now it's time for a plant fact. Everyone loves lilacs, but there's more to them than meets the eye. Their scientific name is syringa, which derives from the Greek word syrinx for panpipes. This is because their stems are filled with a spongy pith that can be removed and the hollow wood played like a flute. You can get your own lilac or any of the award-winning Proven Winners flowering shrubs at your local garden center or visit provenwinnerscolorchoice.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. For the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Exxon Broadcast Network and our growing family of broadcast affiliates around the world. Our email address is xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On all social media sites, xzoneradiotv, and our website is www.xzoneradiotv.com. My first guest tonight, Exonation, is Bob Schroeder. He is the author of a book entitled Solving the UFO Enigma, How Modern Physics is Revealing the Technology of UFOs. The book focuses on the evolution of modern physics and how recent theories are pointing toward a possible explanation of UFO technology. Joining me now is Bob Schroeder. And Bob, welcome to the X-Zone. Hi, Rob. Uh, Thank you for having me on the show. Great pleasure. Tell me, uh, how did you get involved in the world of UFOs? 
Uh, okay. Um, actually, way back in uh, 1957, I was 11 years old, mm-hmm. and and my family we lived in Teaneck, New Jersey, uh, which is just a couple miles west of New York City. And uh, what happened, Rob, is one day, like many kids, I was standing out in my front yard. I was it was about five o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. early November in 1957. And I was looking up in the in the sky, a clear blue sky, but I was kind of hoping to see airplanes. And um, I come from a family of scientists and engineers, so I, I've always had an interest in airplanes, spaceships, every that sort of thing. Right. And so I'm looking up at uh, at the sky, and coming up over the roof of my house. Um, it was an object, a cylindrical shaped object, gold in color, definitely metallic, uh, up about 5,000 feet. And the house was just blocking my visibility. But as I watched, this thing um, was with its uh, long, you know, the long end pointing toward New York City, was heading directly east. And, um, and I looked at this, and I had very good eyesight. Um, I just started wearing glasses recently, but as a kid, I definitely didn't wear them. And um, but anyway, I'm I'm looking at this thing, and I could clearly see that the front end and the back end were just cut off. They were mm. just square squared off, and I could see that it was cylindrical the way the way the shading was. But then, as I watched it, um, as I suddenly I saw another object behind it, uh, just a round object that was no wider than the narrow width of the cylinder. And at this point, Rob, I have to admit that I, I, I was completely baffled. I had no idea what this thing could be. And, and I watched it and uh, for a few minutes, and it was just going fairly leisurely. Um, and at that point, I ran inside the house to get some of my brothers and sisters. I have five brothers and sisters. And I got a couple of them to come out. And they saw it, too, as it disappeared over the trees. But years later, I, uh, maybe two or three years later, um, I started reading books about UFOs. And I read um, Major Donald Kehoe. And uh, he was a, um, a major in the U.S. Air Force. And he wrote a couple of books on the UFO phenomenon. Well, uh, to make a long story short, one of the things that he mentioned was that in November of 1957, there was a gigantic wave of UFOs across the entire United States. And I, I suddenly made the connection. What I saw was probably a UFO. Then a little bit later, I read about um, uh, a French guy who had seen a cylindrical-shaped um, UFO that, where uh, typical disc-shaped uh, UFOs popped out one end of the cylinder and um, and he watched it it was in the evening he was out walking his dog and he saw this uh, gigantic cylinder he thought it was easily half mile to three quarters of a mile in, in length mm-hmm. and as he watched it Rob um, one after another these typical disc shaped UFOs popped out the bottom one by one they would circle around a couple times around the cylinder and then shoot off in one direction of the compass then another direction of the compass and so on and instantly I made the connection I realized what I had seen 
um, was probably one of these carrier or motherships, I think, as they're referred to, and it was being followed by a typical disc-shaped UFO. All right, that, Bob, we've got to we've got to take our first two-minute commercial break. Uh, interesting story. I want to hear the rest of it when we come back. Okay. Exonation. Bob Schroeder is our very special guest. He's the author of Solving the UFO Enigma. How Modern Physics is Revealing the Technology of UFOs. His book is available on Amazon.com. My name is Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon. Bob Schroeder and I will return on the other side of this two-minute commercial break. Don't go away. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Named one of the world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams, past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the X-Zone radio show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201-934-8986 or Skype at elizabeth.joyce. And for more information, you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www.new-visions.com. a disease that you would like to alleviate through a natural means? Have you been contacted by angels, ghosts, or even extraterrestrials and want to validate these experiences? Or would you simply like to speak with someone who can help you find your life's purpose? I'm Dr. Joseph Mara, and I'm offering my services free of charge for first-time clients contacting me during the month of April. These free consultations include angel card readings, guided meditations, life coaching, and energy healing. If you have always wanted to explore these types of experiences but were skeptical or simply could not afford them, then take advantage of this free special offer. Contact me through my website, aguidinglight, spelled L-I-T-E, dot com, to schedule your consultation today. Until then, I offer you love, light, and laughter.
Welcome back, everyone. Bob Shorter is our special guest this hour. We're talking to Bob about his new book. It's entitled Solving the UFO Enigma, How Modern Physics is Revealing the Technology of UFOs, and it is available on Amazon.com. Bob, can please, if you don't mind, continue about your, your story and, and your, your quest to find out what it was that you saw in the sky. When last we were speaking, before we went to the break, you had heard a story or, or read an account of someone in, who was French who basically had the same kind of experience that you did. Uh, that's right, uh, except uh, Rob, mm-hmm. in his case, uh, in the case of the Frenchman, um, he actually observed the UFOs, uh, the typical disc-shaped UFOs, popping out of one end of the um, cylindrical UFO, mo- probably what they call a mothership. And, um, and so um, when I had seen it, I only saw the cylinder and the... Uh, and then the disc-shaped UFO following it mm-hmm. in, tan- in tandem, and I, and I, um, so I at the time I really didn't know what it was, um, but later on I realized after reading about the UFO phenomenon that uh, there was a connection between the disc-shaped objects and the cylinders, um, and they come in various shapes too. Um, that happens to be one shape. But I know I've heard stories of these gigantic spheres, um, and then smaller objects will come out of those mm-hmm. as well. And so that kind of um, um, that sort of thing got me very, very excited because, uh, you know, Rob, when I saw this thing, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, or at least when I remembered it later, right. I, re- I realized that um, there's no question that we are being visited by, in my opinion, some kind of extraterrestrial craft. And probably not from just one civilization, but probably from um, hundreds, probably thousands. Let me ask you this, Bob. If we are being visited, how come everyone isn't seeing these UFOs? That it seems to be a select group that has the opportunity or the good fortune to, to actually see these UFOs. Um, actually, I think many, many more people are seeing UFOs than report them. And I and I have to make a confession here. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I saw that UFO in 1957, and I did see another one uh, probably three and a half decades later up in Massachusetts, um, in neither case did I report it. And here I am, very interested in the UFO phenomenon. Um, and I and I didn't report it, and so I think there's a huge number of people out there that have have seen strange things, mm-hmm. but they've never reported it. Um, and so, in fact, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, mm-hmm. uh, he was the director of Project Blue Book for the or the scientific advisor to Project Blue Book for the United States Air Force that was investigating the UFO phenomenon. And he said essentially the same thing. The vast majority of UFO sightings uh, are never reported. It's only a few people, a a small percentage, he thought probably two or three percent that actually go to the trouble to report them. Why why uh, do you think that is? Oh, boy, that's a good question. Well, part of it is, um, who do you report it to? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and and then, uh, like, if you report it to your local police department, mm-hmm. y- y- chances are, odds are, it's 
just going to go into a, the circular bin, you know, and the circular file. Um, and it's and the, and if you go to the Air Force, they no longer take UFO reports. So that leaves private organizations, and most people are not familiar uh, with those private organizations mm-hmm. like uh, New Fork, the National UFO Reporting Center out in um, Washington State. Sure, Peter Davenport. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, now I happen to know about it, and, and you know about it, but uh, probably the average person doesn't. And I think that's the problem. Um, and the other part of the problem is I happen to I listened to one of your other shows mm-hmm. with uh, Stephen Bassett, yeah. and he had mentioned that um, there's a kind of an atmosphere of ri- uh, ridicule around the whole UFO phenomenon, and I think that's correct, and it, and I think that also discourages people from um, you know reporting it anywhere, and so I'm, I think that's pretty much what it is. All right. If there if there are UFOs, I haven't seen one. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, I, I'd like okay. to believe I, I've seen things that I can't I can't identify, but I'm not going to call them UFOs from another planet because I don't know that for a fact. Okay. The, the part of the re- I um I I admit that here I am writing a UFO book, mm-hmm. but I I've only had two good UFO sightings in my entire life, and. Uh, and so I'm in my mid-60s now, so that, um, uh, in, in effect, it's it's a pretty rare event. Um, but the second one I saw, um, I saw with my wife, and I'll just tell you this one real quick. Okay, sure. Uh, we, were tri- we were up here in Massachusetts, and we were driving on a road west of Boston uh, that was surrounded by swamps on both sides. Mm-hmm. And it was it, we were going to pick up our daughter, and uh, she was only like ten years old at the time, and over at a friend's house, right. and and so we're driving along, and we got to this swampy area, and I looked up in the sky. I, I was in the passenger seat, and, and my wife was driving, mm-hmm. and I looked up and I saw this lenticular-shaped object up in the sky, incredibly brilliant. It was probably early spring, maybe six six o'clock or seven o'clock at night, and and this thing was really really bright. And I, I said to uh, my wife, I said, what the heck is that? And, and I, as I was pointing at it, just as I pointed at it, the thing, which was up around 2,000 feet, um, and I could tell that later, I figured it out, um, it dropped um, 2,000 feet in just a second. It was just literally a blur. And I knew instantly, uh, Rob, when I saw that, that um, that qualified as a UFO um, because... Uh, one of the characteristics that makes UFOs UFOs, unidentified, is their um, ability to overcome inertial forces. And, uh, and inertia is the resistance to acceleration. We, it, uh, we Earthlings cannot uh, ex- accelerate much faster in jet fighter planes. Uh, we can't ex- withstand more than about 10 Gs, mm-hmm. 10 times the force of gravity. And, that, and even then, we need a pressure suit in order to do it. And I, and yet this thing clearly um, had had probably gone sixty, you know, fifty or sixty Gs in in seconds, and so in some way, which we'll talk about tonight. Uh, in fact, I guess we should get into the physics. Um, 
but uh, I have an idea of how they're doing it. And it's actually based on what's going on in modern physics. And it's, it's quite interesting and I think very exciting. And I think we may understand UFO technology um, within a decade or, or two. Why don't they just land and get it over with? Apparently, from what I've been told over the years, they mean us no harm. There's no evidence anywhere that any of these extraterrestrials have ever done anything to harm anyone. You get the odd report that uh, of of the from different from different uh, witnesses that yes, there have been some negative actions taken, but the vast majority are kind of neat. You know, wow, saw a UFO, spoke to an alien, and away you go. So, yeah. so, so why don't they just land and get it over with? Why the secrecy? Okay, this is conjecture on my part, mm -hmm. uh, but I've been asked this question many times when I go out and talk in public, and, um, and this is what I think. Um, I think, um, believe it or not, um, they don't want to, uh, I think they want to, I think they consider us to be a developing civilization. Mm -hmm. um, and I think many parts of the earth are perfectly civilized. Despite what you might see in the news, um, I believe the vast majority of humans are quite civilized. But nevertheless, there's still conflict and there's still parts of the planet that are uh, d d um, further behind than other parts. And I think what the... Um, uh, my guess is that there may be a federation of advanced civilizations, and the reason I believe mm -hmm. this is because I don't think it's just one civilization that's visiting us, Rob. I think it's many, many civilizations, but they all behave in exactly the same way. They avoid direct contact. I, I don't quite believe these stories about uh, contact and conspiracy theories and okay. all that. And uh, and. Um, they, they they totally avoid any direct contact. There is a few indirect communications, like uh, flashing of headlights on mm -hmm. cars, things like that. But nothing where they come down and say, um, "You take take me to your leader." All right. <laughs> and uh, so um, and so, I think what they're doing, and this is my conjecture, I believe what's happening is they want us to reach um, the uh, as. They want us to get as far as we can, mm -hmm. socially and politically, before they make their introduction. And I think they will make their introduction when we have the capability to travel to other stars. And, and which I hope to talk that I'll, I'll talk about that tonight. I think I know how they're doing it, and I think we're going to have that uh, capability within a decade or two, uh, or at least we'll understand how to do it. And so I think that's mm -hmm. it. I think. Oh, one more thing. I'm sorry, sure. I forgot one more thing. Uh, this is actually very critical. Um, I think when we, I think the critical thing will be when we develop the ability to travel to their star systems. At that point, they'll make themselves known, and the reason they'll do that is because we have nuclear weapons. And if we have the ability to travel to their stars, we could clearly take nuclear weapons with us. And, of course, they they definitely want to prevent that. So I think what will happen is as soon as they get an inkling that we're, um, we have this capability of going to other civilizations, other extraterrestrial star systems, um, they will 
uh, intervene at that point and they'll offer us some probably some kind of a deal where um, we can join the Federation, which will have many benefits, but in order to do that, we'll have to give up nuclear weapons, something like that. That's what I think is, is going on. And I think it's very, very basic. I think it's just normal caution uh, when you're dealing with a developing civilization. Bob, stand by. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. www.exxonradiotv.com is my... Web address, my email address, exonation is exon at exonradiotv.com. And on all social media, TV. This is the Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. And the Exxon is coming to you around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Networks and our growing family of broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers. My name is Rob McConnell. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Are you considering calling a psychic to read your situation? Then consider David Champion, a psychic medium for more than 20 years with thousands of readings under his belt. David Champion will make you feel comfortable. He has proven to be honest and accurate. He's a straight shooter. There's no guesswork. What he sees is what you get. While he is a medium, most of the calls focus on relationships, not only love, but work school, neighbors, and more. Need help with finding a job and preparing for the interview? Are you dealing with people who are obstacles in your path? For more information, go to davidchampion.com, $1.50 per minute, paid by credit card, with a minimum of 30 minutes. For your reading with David Champion, call 1-877-702-8598. That's 1-877-702-8598. Now you can dial in to listen to the Exxon Radio Show from anywhere in the world with Rob McConnell 24-7, 365 by dialing 213-401-0080. That's 213-401-0080. If you have a mobile phone or landline, the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is now at your beck and call at 213-401-0080. That's 213-401-0080, 24-7. 365. Now you can dial in to listen to the Exxon Radio Show from anywhere in the world with Rob McConnell 24 7 365 by dialing 213 401 That's 213-401-0080. If you have a mobile phone or landline, the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is now at your beck and call at 213-401-0080. That's 213-401-0080, 24-7, 365. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit us at www.exxon.com. 
xzbn.net. Welcome back, everyone. Bob Schroeder is our guest. He's the author of Solving the UFO Enigma, How Modern Physics is Revealing the Technology of UFOs. And his book is available at Amazon.com. Bob, uh, during the commercial break, we, we chatted briefly, and, and I have a hard time with understanding that if, if they don't want to make contact, and if they've traveled all this, all this way to come to this little planet, uh-huh. why make themselves so obvious? Um, in a way, they're not, they're, it seems to me they're trying not to be obvious. Um, I, in fact, uh, the two sightings I had mm-hmm. were, in in a way, fleeting, and many of the sightings that, um, like Air Force pilots have had, have been similar. The the they'll see the object momentarily and then it'll zip off. I don't think um, they're trying to make their presence um, known, or too obvious. Um, they do seem to be just examining us, and I know, and I'm very. Uh, I've got uh, Robert Hastings' book, uh, Nuclear Weapons and UFOs, oh, and, yeah. I, and I've spoken to uh, Robert on a couple of occasions. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's no doubt that they do seem to be interested in our nuclear capability, especially our nuclear weapons, but also nuclear power plants and things mm-hmm. like that. I do think they have a, a very strong interest in where our technology is at this moment, and or as time goes on, they're they're monitoring it, and uh, and I uh, so I kind of stick by my belief that I I think that they're waiting for us to reach um, as much maturity as possible uh, uh, on our own. They don't want to interfere, and um, and then when we get the ability to travel to other stars, at that point they're going to step in. And offer membership in the Federation. Well, and I, yeah, it's, it, this is starting to sound like an episode of Star Trek. It is, and I think, it, in a sense, it might be similar to that. Um, but I think it's um, it's just common sense on their part because they don't want a lot of because there has to be, in my opinion, probably millions, perhaps billions mm. of civil civilizations out there. I've, I've got to tell you something. That if these people are as smart as we, as many people on the outside think they are, they're lousy intelligence operatives. Because if we go to do intelligence gathering on another country, we don't make ourselves known. Here you've got these, these, these space travelers who apparently have all this great technology, and they have to come this close to us to monitor us. It does not make sense. Uh, well, I think. Um it, it may very well be that much of the monitoring is done in a, in a stealthier manner uh, because one thing, um, Rob, that has been reported over and over again mm-hmm. are these tiny uh, probe-like devices that have been seen um, around military air bases. Uh, like they'll see something maybe the size of a grapefruit and a, uh-huh. or even a, ten, a tennis ball. And I believe they have developed uh, probes that can kind of examine nuclear facilities or um, our latest uh, you know is, air- is, is it possible that these probes are actually from this planet and from 
from force uh, from countries not friendly to the United States? Uh, nope. I think, or at least I'd say extremely unlikely. I don't think so. But uh, if we could maybe jump over to the technology. Well, I, I'd, li I'd, I'd, I'd like to get a clarification on a few things before we jump over to the technology because. Okay. You know, jumping to technology is one thing, but trying to rationalize the existence is a totally different thing. Now we've got drones that okay. that we can that we can fly thousands of miles away over over different theaters. We have drones. We have drones in cities that are being used for law enforcement. So why is it so impossible to to believe that any of these, for lack of better word, reconnaissance uh, objects that people believe? Are from extraterrestrials, are in fact not. But for one thing, has anybody captured one of these things? Are there any pictures of these things, or is this all? Well, you know what? I, I saw oh. it. I, in the case of Robert Hastings, how do we know that that the the UFOs over the the missile bases were not in fact from this planet? Uh, a very unlikely, and the reason being. Um, because in one case I know that Robert reported on, and I think it was out in North Dakota, mm -hmm. uh, the UFO actually moved like a 50-ton concrete steel door and moved it out of position, you know. Yeah, well, and, let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Yes, yeah. How many other people said that? Uh, said? Said, well, you know what? We saw this happen. Did Robert see it? Oh no, he didn't. So how do but, you know it's true? Um, uh, well, uh, well, a fair, fair question, um, and and I totally agree. You have to be very careful about all of these reports. Very. You can't be, you, you can't be totally sure yeah. that any one of them um, hasn't been fabricated. Yeah. Um, but um, I know that um, I think it was Bob Salas, um, a lieutenant or a captain at one of these um, nuclear bases. Now, generally speaking, uh, officers can be, uh, you know, trusted with their testimony because uh, they um, stand a lot to lose um, in their position, their reputation. Um, uh, uh, how about their security clearance? And Oh, so... Their security clearance. Yeah, like for example, if you've got an if you've got a member of the armed forces that has a security clearance, they are sworn to secrecy. When somebody breaks that secrecy to tell a oh. story, well, I don't yep. give that story any credibility because oh, well. because when that person breaks his oath, that means that they're not credible at all. And the same thing with Jesse Marcel going to Roswell. You know what's he do? He puts some stuff in the back of his car, drives home, to, and shows his family instead of bringing this. Evidence right back to the airbase. No credibility whatsoever. Uh, well, uh, I would say this about Robert Salas. Um, I don't think he came out talking about it until after the Project Blue Book files had been made public. And I think that's when he came out and spoke about it. Um, he did maintain secrecy for quite a while. All right, let's talk about and, the physics of the technology because okay. we're running out of time. Excellent, excellent, and um, and because I think um, when you see the physics, what's going on in physics, mm -hmm. uh, you can you'll be able to relate it okay. to what we're, what we're uh, what we're seeing in the skies, and uh, and um, to um, uh, kind of summarize it real quick here. Okay. Uh, the two big questions, Rob, on UFO technology mm -hmm. are number one, how do they get here? Mm -hmm. 
And number two, how are these craft, how are they able to perform inertia-defying acrobatics in Earth's atmosphere? So those are, are actually the two really big technical questions. Oh, and just real quick, a little bit more on my background. I have degrees in mathematics and aerospace engineering. Okay. And I come from a family of scientists and engineers. Mm -hmm. I have a degree, degrees from Rutgers University. Um, my dad was a, uh, a research chemist, um, and uh, he, he's a graduate of MIT. And and my uh, all, uh, most of my brothers and sisters are in technical fields. Many of my nephews, nieces, cousins, and so on. Okay. Are in te all right. So fields. so you so what so, you're saying is you're qualified. Yeah. Let's I get on with it. Let's get on. Let's get on with it because our time is moving on. Oh, sorry. Yep. So anyway, I thought I'd address the question of how do they get okay. here first. Sure. And uh, and what uh, what's interesting about that question is there's really basically physicists have looked at it, and there's really only three ways they could do it. They could go faster than light, mm -hmm. near number one, number two, near light speed, and number three, they could warp space time. Well, faster of uh, number one, faster than light looks like it's uh, it. it is not allowed by special relativity. Nothing because of the mathematics of special relativity, uh, the mass of but, an object but increases. But if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, that is based on Earth mathematics, uh, which yes. may be totally non-applicable to other areas, or we haven't evolved in mathematics to a point yet where the mathematics that are being used, if these guys are really around, they have a higher understanding of our own mathematics uh, uh, well as you'll see just in a few minutes here I think I know how they're doing it and uh, so I don't think they're using like a rocket ship going or something like that going faster than light mm -hmm. Th that I don't think number two near light speed that's a possibility but the amount of energy required is stupendous absolutely enormous and um, and so that's unlikely because of the huge energy requirement. But once so again, but once again, once again, you're using the knowledge uh, that we have on this planet, which may uh, yep. be totally different from another place. Uh, yep, I agree, Rob. But you'll see where I'm leading up to here in a second. Okay. Um, and then the third possibility is warping of space-time. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and now that also requires gigantic energy requirements. Dr. Michio Kaku talks about, you know, uh, other civilizations reaching the point where yeah. they can harness the energy of an entire solar mm -hmm. system. Um, so, you know, that's perhaps in the future a possibility. But, but that's also not. speculation. It, right, that's right. But so, and the, number two and three, the energy requirements are huge. Mm -hmm. So, uh, now here's where we get into the, uh, we have to, unfortunately, we got to do a little bit of physics. I don't know how much time I have, but I, I'll go through this as quick as I can. Um, and and we do have to do a bit of physics. I'm sorry about that. But uh, otherwise, this won't make any sense. But in, in a nutshell, our universe consists of... Um, matter and force particles acting on the stage of space-time. That's it, just those three constituents, matter particles, force particles, and space-time. And the matter particles, um, believe it or not, um, there, there's only four fundamental matter particles, that's it, that make up 99.999% of all the matter. Uh, there's up quarks, down quarks, and then there's electrons and electron neutrinos. That's it. That makes up everything piece of matter we see around us. And then the force particles that make things happen, 
uh, there's only four fundamental forces. There's the strong nuclear force, there's the weak nuclear force, there's electromagnetism, and mm -hmm. there's gravity. And that's it. One nice thing, Rob, about physics, there's not that much to memorize. <laughs> it's a good field to get into. And, uh, um, and so um, the force particles, I mean, the forces are also, just like matter particles, there are force particles. And the strong force is carried by a particle called a gluon. Uh, the weak nuclear force is carried by three particles called the W plus, W minus, and Z neutral. Uh, the electromagnetism, uh, most people are aware that is carried by photons. And gravity is carried by a particle called a graviton. And that's it. And and but uh, what uh, and here's where it gets interesting. Uh, what so. uh, what, uh, what uh, physicists are interested in particularly mm -hmm. are the four forces of nature, because they believe at the very uh, at the very beginning of the universe, mm -hmm. they believe the four fundamental forces were united in a single super force, and that is the holy grail of modern physics, trying to theoretically and or experimentally reunite those four fundamental forces, electromagnetism, weak nuclear force, strong nuclear force, and gravity. They've actually had a, quite a bit of success. Um, uh, they've managed to uh, reunite, they know, for example, the electric force and magnetic force, which were once thought to be separate, are actually, um, uh, two aspects of this one force called electromagnetism. Maxwell's laws cover that. Then it turns out that the electromagnetic force plus the weak nuclear force is combined into something called the electroweak force. They've seen that in particle accelerators, so we've actually combined those two. And they're working on combining the strong nuclear force with the electroweak in something called the grand unified theory. And they don't have proof of that yet, but there's a certain evidence that suggests it's correct. But there's only one force that they haven't been able to include in those four forces there uh, in, in the uh, attempts at unification theories. And that force, Rob, is the force of gravity. And the question is, how come gravity has not been included in, in, in 70 years of attempts at unification of the forces. How come they can't include gravity? Well, it turns out the reason they can't include gravity is because gravity is incredibly weak compared to the other forces. Uh, all the, the other non-gravity forces, weak force, strong force, and electromagnetism, uh, are roughly the same in strength. Just taking one of them as an example, the electromagnetic force is one times 10 to the 36 power that's one followed by 36 zeros stronger than gravity and the other forces are similar in relation to gravity in other words gravity is incredibly weak you, you, people may not think that when you're uh, crawling out of bed in the morning and you got to go to work you know mm -hmm. it it seems overwhelming but in truth it's extremely weak and that problem uh, that's considered a problem in the physics community, and it's actually got a name. It's called the hierarchy problem. All right, we've and got to take our final break here. Please stand by. Exonation, Bob Schroeder is our guest. His book is entitled the Solving the UFO Enigma, How Modern Physics is Revealing the Technology of UFOs. It's available on Amazon.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. 
With each new extreme weather event or terrorist act, it becomes increasingly obvious that we live in uncertain and challenging times. We all buy car insurance. Why not collapse and catastrophe insurance? Matthew Stein, an MIT-trained engineer and green builder, has written two outstanding books to help people prepare, plan for, and deal with everything from minor situations lasting a few days to full-on collapse. Matt's first book, When Technology Fails, is a manual for self-reliance, sustainable living, and surviving the long emergency. This massive book covers the gamut from first aid and emergency preparedness to alternative healing, renewable energy, primitive living skills, and 18th century technologies that could be critical to your comfort and survival in a long-lasting crisis. Matt's second book, When Disaster Strikes, is a comprehensive emergency preparedness handbook and survival guide. When Disaster Strikes is an essential item for every family's go-bag. Both books are available at all usual sources. There's a wealth of totally free information posted at whentechfails.com and author-signed copies may be purchased at mattstein.com. That's www.whentechfails.com and www.mattstein.com. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God, it was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Bob, let me ask you a quick question. If you okay. have developed or if you have solved the the question on how UFOs get here and how they do what they do, have you, have you ch shared this information with the with NASA or the United States government so that they could actually use this technology in spaceflight? Uh, well, um, I uh, it, it, yes or no it yes or no it, oh uh, no I haven't not why, yet why not but. It hinges on getting experimental data on extra dimensions. And what they're trying to prove now in physics, what I was uh, going to get to here in a yeah, second, yeah. is the um, possibility that there may be additional dimensions above the four dimensions of space and time that it historically has been known. Uh, all right, so the... So the the um, let me see how modern physics is revealing the technology of UFO is is all theoretical. Oh yes, at this point. But once we prove that the extra dimensions are real, um, then at that point, that's where I think. Um, and and all, there's two 
multiple pieces to it, Rob. Mm -hmm. The second piece is what I would like to do is get spectrographic data, full-range spectrographic data from UFO sightings. I'm looking for a particular type of uh, emissions from UFOs. If we see it, uh, it would almost certainly prove that they're using technology. We are on the threshold of understanding ourselves, although we may not necessarily make the connection to the UFO phenomenon because they're not thinking about that right now. Well, with all these people who say that there's been crash evidence of UFOs at Roswell, at Kecksburg, and other places, why hasn't the UFO community come up with the reverse engineering of UFO propulsion? Uh, well, I don't believe any of those crash stories, you know. Really? Um, uh, I, I have to admit that. Um, uh, in a nutshell, mm -hmm. I I, one of the th th one of the common the common denominator of all those crash stories uh, is if you if you read them and uh, the details on them, you never see any attempt by the aliens to rescue their crashed um, UFO, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that would be and of course, I I think the people who have you know come up with those stories or you know think that some aluminum in the desert that they found mm -hmm. is from a crashed UFO, um, they don't really. Um, that's something an aspect of it okay. that they probably haven't thought about, you know. Right, and, right. And and but could I uh, uh, go through this a little bit more physics? Sure, we've got about a minute. Oops, I'll do it real quick. It looks like the extra dimensions may be real, um, and if they are real, that may explain the weakness of gravity. It turns out that uh, string theory. Uh, suggests that the graviton is a, is a closed loop, so it can travel into the extra dimensions, but all the other particles are stuck on a space-time membrane that we live on. And to make a long story short, I believe the, uh, it turned, one of the theories out there is called warp geometry, mm -hmm. and it suggests that um, the extra dimensions are severely warped. If the UFOs can get into those extra dimensions, they can take advantage of that warping, which is believed to be 10 to the 16 power. That would allow them to get to a, a, another star system like Alpha Centauri, 4.3 light years from Earth. Um, they, they could reduce the distance if they could get far enough into the uh, the, the uh, extra dimension. They could reduce the distance to 25 miles. Um, to the nearest star to us, which it, it's ordinarily 25 trillion miles to Alpha Centauri. If they could get into the what they call the bulk, B-U-L-K, they could reduce that distance to 25 miles. And on numerous occasions... Rob, I hate to do this. We've run out of time. I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. And uh, I've got a funny feeling, Exonation, that time isn't the only thing that's warped around here. Do we really need to know? It's all theoretical. Hats off for coming up with these theories. But I think we're way off in time when we'll ever see any of this become a reality. I'll be back on the other side of the commercial break with the news as we continue here in the X-Zone. Whatever you do, don't go away. Now it's time for a plant fact. Everyone loves lilacs, but there's more to them than meets the eye. Their scientific name is Syringa, which derives from the Greek word syrinx for panpipes. This is because their stems are filled with a spongy pith that can be removed and the hollow wood played like a flute. You can get your own lilac or any of the award-winning Proven Winners flowering shrubs at your local garden center or visit provenwinnerscolorchoice.com. <laughs> 